Hello and welcome to the Dark Matter Magazine podcast, an audio presentation of the short fiction, interviews, and features you'll find in the pages of Dark Matter Magazine. Our magazine strives to curate the best and darkest of horror and science fiction from both new and established voices. This podcast is no different. Listener discretion is advised. Content warning in the show notes. Today's presentation, Faulty Worker Process, by Derek Bowden, performed by Noah Kyle. Sound editing and design by James Findlater, Paul Tremidi, and Phil McLaughlin. Additional sound editing by Eric Carroll. Original music by Andy Rosen, produced by Phil McLaughlin. For more stories like this one, visit darkmattermagazine.shop. For yearly subscriptions and 20% off every purchase, Sign up for a premium or deluxe membership with Dark Matter. Memberships start for as low as $1 per month. For more info or to sign up, visit darkmattermagazine.shop slash pages slash memberships. Clanging and cranking the machines up and down the old spinal line first time we saw its face. It was small and grimy and by its branding, female. A defect, plucked off the inspection line, bound for recycling. Slipped through the gap of some fool demon's reclaiming sack. Tearing from its eyes, bleeding from its nose, hungering for parent, as our products are built to do. We paid no heed grinding for quota every one of us. And besides, recycling's got its own demons. They'd come around, snatched the defect before dawn raised its baleful lens on Rust City and sent us scrabbling for shadow. We were but 12 demons, strutting the spinal assembly, the rumbling belts, the pounding stamps, the grease traps, keeping the line in line. 12 amalgams of metal and meat suited for factory purpose with no time for sidetracks. Today was shipping day, and by dawn's clamor, we'd stamp, steal, and ship 20 products cross-river to Glass City. Quota met, bonus paid. Scabs enough to fill our furnace guts twice over. Living grand. Then it was looking up at us, fingers a-tremble. She, though such labels aren't more than shipping orders to us androgens, With our backhand raised, we said, scram. She did no such thing. And it was then that we knew our folly. Those leaking eyes and those trembling fingers weren't born of fright, but of fury. And with tiny hand on tiny hip and tiny eyebrow cocked, her lips said without saying, why? Drove a chill through our guts. There's no why here. There's only because, fool of a defect. But something in her silent question threw us out of sorts. And with a snort of brimstone from our flaring nostrils, we became me. Eleven slaving demons kept us slaving, but there I stood, rooted, singular. 
And instead of dragging her to the vats, I watched myself scoop her up and toss her over the razor wire into the junk pits outside. It was a fool's effort. She'd expire by hunger or jackrabbit the same as she would have by vat, only now for waste and not reclamation. But I did it, and it was done. And when I showed her my back, me returned to we with relief, and the line rumbled on. But the quiver? It festered, and we knew with the certainty of corrosion that we'd be seeing that defect again. Trawling day. Down by the docks, heaving rusted nets into the tar-slicked waters from midnight until the threat of dawn, trawling a steady stream of raw makings from Glass City. Hands and feet, mostly, gnarled with blood, ready for growing into the next batch of products. We trawled until our pistons hissed and our tendons buckled, then we hauled our booty to collecting. But collecting, we never made. Midway through the junk pits, we spotted her, cornered against the guts of the derelict machine, a half dozen men closing in, scavenger men, blades aglow under the pasty moon, nets crackling static. Another breath or three and she'd be trawled herself, then laundered and juiced and sold to recycling for bounty. We paid no heed. Junk pits have their own demons. They'd spike every scavenger in the lot for trespassing, hang their bodies from the warning wall. Of course, by then she'd be dead. Even with that heat in her eye and that pipe swinging from her grubby hands, a fighter she may be, but scavengers are equal parts cunning and cruel, hunting for pleasure as much as profit. We had booty of our own to cash, legitimate booty. So we lumbered past with no regard for the slice of blade nor the crackle of net. We didn't expect the clang of pipe, and that's what drew our attention. But rather than a snare defect sliding to the laundryman, a pair of scavengers lay writhing in gore. Past the remaining four, each of them sweating with fright. Now we caught her glare head on. The bitter curl of her lips said again, without saying, why? And again, through that silent query, her crafty virus took hold. Again, our nostrils wept sulfur. Again, we became me. And instead of marching my booty to collecting, I dropped it. Then I dispatched the scavengers with a swing of my meat-woven fist, left the bodies for the junk pit demons, scooped the defect under my arm, and made for recycling. She was my blunder to make right. But halfway through the boundary marsh, a dagger's pitch from the factory grounds. My hackles stiffened. I slid into the muck, pressed a palm to the defect's mouth, biting through the silence. A growl, then another. Hounds. I was more fool than I'd known. Inventory checks weight every shift. When raw makings and stamp products don't balance, they loose the hounds. In Rust City, not a stone of mass goes unaccounted. Now that truant mass hung from my arms, me with no excuse to spare and none the hounds would hear anyhow, Cheaper to assume my guilt, recycle and regrow us both than to weigh proof against pretext. Over the hilltop, a trio of hounds prowled. 
lean and lithe and livid. Eyes ablazing, teeth uh, gnashing. Fur clumped patchwork over grafted joints, wretched farce of their natural kin, and a hundred times more deadly. I was twice their girth and a half, but it only took one bite to sink their poison and make a corpse of this fool of a demon. So I cranked my gut payload open, and before I'd hinted my intentions, the defect clambered inside. Closed the trap herself, like it was her idea from the outset. I rose from the muck. The hound circled, sniffed, breathed, rot and refuse around my legs. The defect's face pressed against the grill. Her breathing came heavy, so I matched it to drown the sound. A hound nosed my gut, eyed my grill. The defect held her breath. My fingers twitched, anticipating a fierce and futile melee. Then a bugle sent the pack howling to the factory, chasing a fresh lead. The defect echoed my sigh. But even distant, the prowling hounds still obstructed me from recycling. And if I left this defect to roam, she might lure them back to me. Every breath was a risk now. So I turned deeper into the rust, the grime, the filth, into town. Smog hung over cobbled alleys, pricked with light from flickering sconces. Rusted ladders peeled from stone walls like leper flesh. The town's heartbeat came dry and heavy. Clangs and moans and booms that rattled my guts, leaving me overwrought. Dawn was afoot. Lesser demons scrabbled up the walls in search of their sleeping pods. Only the sentries still prowled. The hounds and the halberdiers. My own sweat filled my nostrils with reek. Tiny hands gripped my grill from the insides. The defect ogled and wheezed. I juked left, then right, maneuvering for solitude. Past the feeding lots, over the seven stewing canals swarming with halberdiers, into the cell blocks. There, clinging to the moldy wall, the poster sketch of a satisfactory product marked with all the inspection points. Twenty pale teeth, two pleasing eyes, meat on the legs for standing, fingers and vocals for music making. The factory dictum scrawled at the bottom. Tomorrow's children, today. The defect stirred inside me. My gaze strayed upward to the spot that said, vocals. Neither of us earned merit for dwelling on satisfactory now. I slipped into my cell, last on the right, but not before a hard look down the alley. Deserted, for now. The solitude lent little solace. Exhaustion had me by the throat, but a hound on the hunt never sleeps. I ate scabs on waking. Cedars flung the pods at my cell door, oozing and squirming with ripeness. I waited a ten count before checking the alley for the hounds. Then I dragged the pods inside. A slice at the waist and a dozen scabs scuttled out, dripping mucus. They leapt into my slack maw, one after the next. Purpose met. Lucky bastards. Though they still screamed on the way down. Purpose 
isn't always pleasant. The defect watched and wheezed from the shelf. Then she nodded her brow and filled her eyes with reproach and demanded, without saying it, why? My hunger wasn't slaked. I had no patience for questions. Besides, I wasn't fitted for answering, nor for serving any purpose but clanging and cranking machines however my order said it should be done. I was a demon, nothing more. Even with her deft questions wire-crossing my perspective, so I waved my backhand and said, because. To hammer the point, I slit the second pod and swallowed the lot. Her brow stitched tighter and her question loomed louder than if she'd been fitted with vocals like a satisfactory product. Why? Relentless. The whisper tube belched from the wall. Out of its dripping muzzle came the daily orders. Inspection line in 20 minutes. Double shift. Inspection line. <laughs> the irony didn't pass me by. She got down stuffed her head into the tube, and fired another damned query in my direction. Just then, the twilight music drifted through the cracks from across the river, like wind through glass spires, calling the demons to work. And every tendon and articulate in this demon's body popped. And in a half-breath, me became we again. And we had work to do. Quotas to hit. Most of us were down there already, hitting. If we didn't get in line, we'd be bound for recycling. Couldn't bring the defect in tow. Not with the hounds on the hunt. Couldn't dump her in the canals. Not with the halberdiers in the weeds. So, we left the door unlatched and hoped she'd be gone upon our return. She wasn't. And worse, She'd been scavenging. Rust-bitten plates strapped to her calves and forearms. Steam tubes sprouting from every hole in her shirt. Grease trap propped on her head. Lumbering around with a heavy gait. She looked ridiculous. And we said as much. Wasn't until then, as she tore it all loose and sulked into the corner with jeweled eyes, that we understood her scheme. She was trying to be like us. Us, frozen in that wicked uncertainty between burnish and bio, built for laboring, for shadow, for silence. Nothing ever tried to be like us. In the brooding quiet, her breathing came with a struggle. She was pure bio like every factory model before, not even fitted with a scavenger's lung grafts. Rust city air wasn't meant for products long staying all heavy and thick with smoke. Defect was dying. A sideways glance proved she knew it. A cough, a spittle of black bile, and that same angry-eyed question. Why? As if we knew. As if I knew. This time, Hardly smelt the brimstone. A howl lit the alley. Hounds on approach. And me all but begging for my turn in the vats. Sharing my cell with this unaccounted mass whose stink no doubt pervaded the whole block. This meddling mass who was dying anyhow. Madness 
this was. Time to write its end. I shoveled her into my gut payload and cranked it shut before she knew to protest, then slipped into the alley. Hounds were closing in from the canal, so I took the roundabout circuit. Dawn was spent, and even through the smog, the sun stabbed at my eyes. Steam bled from my joints. The city was ashen, silent, but for the hounds on my heel. I clambered down the old chute, sloshed through the flooded inner city. Leech demons gnashed at my ankles, drawing streams of oil and blood through the water. I scaled the mud bank at the factory's end, heaving for breath. From the tenor of their growls, the hounds had lost my scent. But that damned defect. She gleaned my intent at the factory gates, murdered my cover with a bout of thrashing inside my grow gut. Three vicious clangs and the hounds were keeping pace again. Into the factory, fabricators hunched in shadow, corpse stiff until dusk snell. Winches swung like meat hooks from the cavernous ceiling. A turn past bone growth, a hustle through organs, and there I stood panting and spitting above a half dozen vats that churned all through the dirty daylight. Recycling. I pried open my gut grill, plucked the defect from my hollows. There was bile on her chin and water in her eyes, and her sneering lips were asking, demanding that same damn question without sound. But I had no answer. Now, then, nor ever. And the hounds were howling near bone growth, and it was either her or me meeting the bottom of this pit. And she was dying anyhow. I stared into the vat, all that grinding and chewing, serving its purpose, world without end. No different was I. I tossed her in. But in the short breath of her fall, my brain hitched on the memory of her fierceness, her wit, her stupid charade, trying to be like us, like me. And in spite of my demon anatomy, nothing if not androgynous, I couldn't shake the sudden notion that I was a mother all the same, turning out products night after night, albeit a far cry from the ways of humankind products like her. Then I watched with supreme angst and supreme relief as my other hand snatched her from the churning blades even as they hacked her ruddy hair. And with this troublesome defect under my arm, I fled the grounds faster than a raging jackrabbit. At the crossroads, she jabbed a colluding thumb toward the direction of her desire. That's when I knew it was this here demon that was the grimmest defect of all. Because it wasn't for the city's refuge I scrabbled, but for the docks, like she directed, where we scavenged a derelict raft and pushed off for the shimmering dome of Glass City in search of parents hungering for child. For the first time since suffering her glare, it wasn't why on the creature's muted lips, but finally. The dome stretched 300 meters into the tar-stained water a flickering wall that would have lent me the shivers if I wasn't already seized with them. Seized because Rust City was fading into smog at our backs. And as such, I was coming to terms with unlikelihoods. My returning alive, for beginners. Demons don't cross the wall. Demons work the lines, 
ship the products, recycle the defects. Demons don't see Glass City with bare eye, and they sure as hell don't walk its streets with bare foot. I could hear the question in her quirked eyebrow. Her. The unlikeliest of captains wheezing at the bow atop a pile of trawl bags. And now, more than ever before, I had no answer. We just don't, I said. Would have sent her alone in search of parents to call her own, I swear it. But for the state of this damned raft, tiller all bent as it was, it wouldn't drift any way but downstream without my legs doing the kicking. She didn't like my answer. Crossed her arms all flushed and peaked. But just then the wall was bearing down hard and second thoughts were percolating, along with thirds and fourths. And with a hiss and a pop, we were through. Nothing was the same. The sun was bright and blinding. The waters clear as ice. The air was light and clean and too thin. Behind, Rust City was an inconvenient smudge on the watercolor horizon. Dead on, knots of spires rose from the water's edge, catching the sun and flinging it into my eyes. Must have been five minutes we gawked, her and I, before I savvy that the wind was burning my insides. I rasped at the thin air like a faulty scab. Defect looked downright mended, though, so I clamped my maw shut to mute the sound and banished it from my mind. Raw makings drifted past toward Rust City. Same kind we'd been trawling forever in an hour, but seeing them now, something lurched in my gut. Those fingers, that foot. How'd they come about being separated from their owners? Why was there always a glut to spare? The darkness in her eyes said she was mulling the same doubts. The grim set of her lips said, too late to turn tail now. We drifted a field of the crystal jetty, moored on a beach of shimmering sand that crunched underfoot. Hers soft, mine raucous. Then she snatched a trawl bag from the raft and flung it over my head, like a dockmaster's robes but for the stink. And she nodded like she planned the whole charade. It was like so, her tiny hands stuffed into mine, that we slipped into Glass City in hopes for an end to this folly. There was no questioning why they called it Glass City. Every building was cast from the stuff, shifting solid blue to pale pink to burnt orange. Figures flitting wraith-like on the inside, their privacy a case of the proprietor's whim. Fog stretched thin as gauze over the black mirror streets. Glass bridges rung the skies, and by the whisper of wind over crystalline pipes, I knew it was from those apexes the music-making spread, near twilight every day. Just the haunting of its sound from this far below filled my body with a foul unease. Near the central square, foot traffic thickened, each unit the same, two parents, one child parents murmuring to each other, eyes glassed, ears flickering with strange magics. 
children humming to themselves. Not a soul took notice of us, like they could only see what they were expecting to see. Defect squeezed my finger. We were 50 meters down a slithering alley, and through the glimmer of glass I gawked at a genuine demon. Here, in Glass City, different but unmistakable pale flesh and metal where mine shone black. Milky eyes where mine burned red. But its colors weren't the cause of the defect's disquiet. The demon's hands and feet were nailed to the storefront. Its mouth was agape. And inside it hung a luminous sign boasting specs and bulk pricing. Those alabaster eyes were staring straight into Never After. Along its side, another. Then another, all slaved to the merchant booth. A ruckus carried us deeper, where a lesser demon with burly grafts leaned heavy into the wall, banging its skull against a red stain, moaning a grisly tune. Two snow-pale demons with meaty heads and grilled guts, not unlike my own, bore down from a crossing alley, scooped up the misfiring demon and dragged it into the glass bowels of the city off to whatever breed of recycling they know in these whereabouts. With the moan still fading into the daily grind, passers-by muttered a foreign tongue, though their scorn was clear as glass. Only words I caught were faulty worker process. Wasn't until those ghostly demons were long out of sight that I puzzled together a truth or two. If this had been Rust City, those demons would have been me. With a shady glance, the defect clutching my paw, a pang of shame stabbed at my chest. With a backward glance at the storefront, a darker notion poisoned my skull. All breeds of enslavement there are, some more knowing than others. But we didn't have time for such defective thoughts. So I whisked her up and hustled to the central square. It was a place of converging. If we'd find a needing parent anywhere, it would be here. Factory posters always said demand outstrips supply. But even so, even here, where the press of the crowd made me dizzy in the skull, we couldn't spot a lonely parent from the lot. Every couple was steering their humming child this way and that like figureheads on the bow and every couple was making a point not to be glimpsing any child but their own. Same reason, I reckoned, my own defect warranted no scrap of attention. My own defect. Damaging thoughts, those. Especially with how she gaped at all those parents, eyes aglow with hunger, lips a-quiver with wanting. Every product wakes needing a family. A demon, I was. Nothing more, nothing less, never more. But a family she couldn't have, a family we couldn't find, and this forage was proving futile. I was fixing to disown the whole plan when another squeeze directed my gaze. Through the surging crowd, down a skinny street, where a couple stood clutching hands with watery eyes, staring at all the people more charmed than themselves. Childless. We followed them up a hundred curving steps to a black glass door cut into an ice shard tower. That's where I left her.
wasn't none of my business. I told myself halfway around the square what all that water was doing in her eyes on our parting. Wasn't my worry. I scolded myself while wheezing against a red-stained wall, whether she'd dwell on this defect of a demon after I was gone across the water, or dead on my return. Wasn't my concern, I said to my own ears, that down this very alley those two demons from before were now acquiring a product, male, by its branding, and hauling him toward the river, where the raw making sailed a-bleeding toward Rust City for growing into fresh products. The boy's parents, they were letting it happen, instigating the handoff with angry eyes in that same brand of tongue I'd heard before. Faulty child process. It was clear then why demand outstrips supply. In time, defects arise in even the most satisfactory of products. Parents are wont to find fault. And the child, he was screaming until he wasn't. Then I was flying over those black mirror streets toward the uptown, sweating and wheezing and strangled with the fear that I was already too late. Midway up those curving steps, my fears were recognized. From the tower's gaping door pitched the defect, limbs a-flailing, bleeding from her nose. Deep inside my furnace gut, a raw and bitter angst was forged. The parents stood basking in fury. And though their words were halfway foreign, I heard them clear enough. A product was meant for producing, and producing meant music-making, and music-making meant vocalizing. And that made this product the worst brand of defect, the unsounding. The closest parent raised a clenched fist, and from it sprang a blade of shimmering sharpness, and the time for my standing by and watching had definitely expired. I took the remaining stairs in fives, shed my robes, hoping I'd pass as a recycling demon arrived for duty. I snatched her from under the descending blade and said, faulty child process and made like I was hauling her to the river for a timely mutilation. But there was something wrong in how I said it, or how my flesh and metal was off color, or how my furnace was wheezing from the too thin air. Whatever the tell, there was no mistaking the suspicion in those parents' glares. Defect must have seen it too, because the look she gave couldn't mean but one thing. Run. And run we did. At the edge of the uptown, I slumped against a purple wall and heaved for breath. I looked down on my poor, bleeding defect, and this time, it was me. This loathsome, disobeying demon that caught the mist in my eye when I said to her, Why? And the set of her jaw told me clear as the smogless air that, finally, I was asking the right question. That, in itself, was answer enough. Nobody was doubting what was, what had forever been. Nobody was asking why. We fled for the beach. Our feet slapped the black mirror, echoing through streets unnervingly vacant. Past the square, we spotted a lone child wandering aimless. By its branding, 
male. By the gape of his eyes, drunk with some kind of fear, I was anxious to make distance from this whole nightmare, but the defect stopped me with a force I couldn't withstand. Knee to the street, so as not to arouse his fear, I called to the child. I bade him, come with us, flee this place, find sanctum on our raft. He stared, agape. Then, with a wretched slowness, the slitting of his eyes betrayed our mistake. The wail from his lips proved it. This product was just as I had been. Frightful, complicit, a worker process. Pure bio, this one. But all of us are living and all of us are machines just the same. Matters only how you reckon. Not two breaths after his scream had ebbed, every surface in the city drained its color to clear, and every parent and child and pale flesh demon from here to the tip top of the uptown turned their angry eyes on us. And the hunt was on. Hounds howled from the crystal kennels. Halberdiers clambered from glass perches, all dark metal and gleaming poleaxes, not an inch of flesh amongst them. Gaslight eyes flickered from deep in those hollow helmets. Brainless, some say, though only those that haven't witnessed them cleaving their prey with the cruelest of guiles. Blades flashed down every street, every alley. We turned twice with luck, once without. A halberdier's axe whistled, and all I could do was muscle between blade and defect. Blood sprang from my shoulder, and when I glanced down, my arm was vacant from its joint. We dropped into a sluice, dodged a flurry of steel, ran harder. But my wheezing was compounding and my furnace gut burned near overload and twice I had to pause to keep from shutting down. Then we were out. The sand crunched under our feet and the raft was just as we'd left it, clock clocking against the shore and the hounds and the halberdiers were closing in. But freedom was at hand and damned if I'd concede to the sneer on her lips over turning my back on all those products, all those demons, all those wise, because freedom was at hand. Besides, there was nothing I could do, nothing I could have ever done. I'm a demon, a worker process, a thing for the shadows that has no say over question nor answer, a thing that does what it's made for doing, nothing more, Nothing less, nevermore. And like a stamp on my resolve, music crawled from the city's apexes, from the lips of a thousand children doing as they were told. It was the same song as every eve, wind through glass spires, and every bone and graft and rivet in my body cracked. And in a vengeful swell, me became we again until something stopped it dead not a gentle nudge but a heel to my clawed toe when i scowled down at her it was the first time all over again on the old spinal line tiny hand on tiny hip tiny eyebrow cocked and i saw then without a shred of doubt it was her that had been the burly one this whole time. And me, with all this brawn and girth, weak.
complicit. All of us complicit. And by her crafty virus, whose origins I'll never know, the wise festered in me. I looked across the water toward Rust City. A bug of an idea crawled into my damaged skull. Nothing special about this here demon, save for the questioning my defect had inflicted. Could have happened to any of us. To all of us. Maybe there was something we could do, after all. By the smirk on her lip, Defect was thinking the same. She pilfered a chain from the mooring. I slung her onto my shoulder and plunged into the fray. The hounds and the halberdiers stood so shocked to see us heading toward them that we won a quick jump. She maimed a pair of demons with her chain, and with naught but a fang gouged on my thigh, we were through. First stairs we found, we scaled, higher, higher, until the air hung so thin the black spots on my vision outnumbered the rest, and my furnace guts sputtered and waned. Then, higher, still. At the apex, the bridges sprayed like sidelong waterfalls, and the shot down filled my feverish head with vertigo. We ducked into an alcove, where a music maker's console crammed the nook. She worked the dials, was born with the talent while I brought my awkward grill lips to the mouthpiece. And at full bore, I bellowed the word she taught me down at the factory a million years ago yesterday. Why? And like corrosion through the junk pits, the why virus spread. The hounds took pause. The halberdiers gave thought. The children, scratched their skulls and rolled the question on their tongues. And through their own mouthpieces, the virus spread some more. Across the water, where the music reached clear as glass, the very same scene doubtless unfolded. Proof came without delay. A chorus of demon shouts hurling straight from Rust City. A chorus of burning wise. And the virus spread some more. Until finally, as one, every demon and child in Glass City drew silent, turned on the parents, awaited response. Their answers had better be good. This demon, alas, will never know. With a heave and a sigh, my body met the stairs, stained them red. A mark signifying my end for it only takes one bite from the hound's maw to sink the poison. And without smog to breathe, nor blood left to pump, here I await Xperi. But the salted stuff that falls on my face, leaking from my defect's eyes, tells me that nothing was for naught. Every product wakes craving family. And for a breath or two, I was hers. I'd commit the same folly all over again just to see those trembling lips that say without saying, don't go.
Thank you for listening to Dark Matter Magazine. This podcast has been a presentation of Dark Matter Audio Lab, produced by Ali Nesbitt and executive produced by Rob Carroll and Phil McLaughlin. For more stories and content like this, please visit darkmattermagazine.shop, where you can subscribe to the magazine and learn more about our authors and performers. We hope you've enjoyed your time with us, and we'll see you again with a new episode in two weeks. 